Hi, my name's Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. My guest today is Joel Stoker. Joel is frontman and chief songwriter in the band The Rifles, and he's just about to release his debut solo album. We speak about the difference as a writer between uh, being in a band and being a solo writer, his influences, his tips for turning up every day as a songwriter, and much, much more. So please subscribe and enjoy this podcast with my special guest, Joel Stoker. Okay, joining me today on my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters, is Joel Stoker. How are you doing, Joel? I'm all good. I'm all good. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here, mate. Now, this is like an exciting time for you because you've got a, uh, a new record coming out and it's your solo album. So yes. tell, tell us why uh, now is the time for a solo album from you. What, what was kind of behind that thought? I mean, it was really, I just had, I've been in my band, The Rifles, for, you know, quite a long, 2006 was our first album. Oh. Um, and I've always just done lots of different sort of just writing at home. Some of it's not really, uh, you know, wouldn't work for the band. <clears throat> but that, a lot of it just sits on your computer and on your phone or whatever, as you know. Yeah. Um, bits of songs and that but um i guess it probably was during sort of the lockdown period i just started writing some songs as i always do anyway um generally i sort of i guess I start off with them intended to be for the band um yeah. sometimes they go down another road <clears throat> but i had about four, sort of i don't know about five songs and they was all sort of in the same in the same vein not necessarily the sound of them, but the subject uh, matter yeah. was all kind of the same. And it was a lot more personal and it wasn't really the band thing. So I thought, um, well, I'll just carry on writing. And then it got a couple more and I thought, well, I'm not too far off an album here. I'm, you know, and uh, I may as well see that through. Do you know what I mean? That's really sort of, I didn't have a, you know, a burning desire to sort of go solo or anything like that, really, to be honest with you. I just had a, songs that I felt they were sort of personal to me and sort of, um, yeah, like I said, I get a few more, there's an album there and then that's that really. So it, it uh, just happened like that. I have to say that like, I've always enjoyed and loved the sort of rifle sounds, <laughs> but I listened to um, Walls Fall and My Own War for the first time last night, man. And I had one of those moments, which is quite a rare moment, you know, in when you listen to new music, where I, I repeated those songs about 30 times in a row, dude. And they are so, they are so good. Like, melodically and as songs, like what you're saying is, I just press repeat for like an hour and a half. It's so strong. It really is. They're great, man. I'm really happy with them, yeah. I mean, it was, I I really enjoyed the process, to be honest with you. I mean, as you know, being in a band, there's a lot of, um, you know, to and fro in and compromises things like that do you know what i mean i'm not saying that's a bad thing because a lot of the time good things come out of that and it takes yeah. you out of your comfort zone but it was nice just to sort of um get down exactly what i was hearing in my head without having a discussion about it so yeah 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 no i i, I do understand that obviously being in a band and so it's a slightly different sound as well isn't it is that it's kind of is that all coming from you the sound or is that like a producer involved with that no i, I wrote produced and recorded everything Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And a great video, uh, well, I, must, I might add. What, my own more? Yeah, great. Yeah, cr- pretty simple, really. I just wanted a straightforward idea, and uh, it's just around the corner from me, down at Walthamstow Market, which, funny enough, is where we recorded our very first Rifles um, video. Right. Um, and 
part lazy because it's around the corner and very easy for me to get to. And plus we needed a, to somewhere where we could walk for a long period of time and try and do it in one sort of take. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it worked out good. It's one of those things that with a video, because it's like, uh, you know, you know, I'm sure you've done loads of videos and I have too, but it's sometimes they kind of, uh, they're just a video. And then sometimes like the song is captured in a certain kind of way, which even sort of makes the song even more meaningful. And just that's one of those videos where, you know, like you said, you, you did what you did with it for whatever reasons, but there's a sort of humour to it in a sort of way. Do you know what I mean? Just that kind of... Yeah. And, and it's like, that's what I really like about the video. It opens it up, the lyrics even more, which is uh, quite a tricky thing to do with the video. So I think you thought we nailed that as well, really. It's tricky. I mean, it's kind of by circumstance as well, because obviously there's no money around um, for big video budgets. So you just need one simple idea, really, yeah. I think. Yeah. Try and get too clever on, on next to no money. It's going to yeah. turn pretty shit, in it? So you guys, you guys started off as a band, like, uh, you know, I read somewhere, 2003, you guys went to Nebworth and sort of had the, uh, I think we're sort of the same, similar generation. So, you know, uh, that was that was the kind of, that was the moment, was it, where you decided you need to form a band and become a songwriter? Or was there a kind of earlier influence before that? I kind of, the funny, I mean, me and Luke both went to that Nebworth gig. Luke's um, in, in the rifles with me. Yeah. Um, we both went to that Nebworth gig, but we didn't actually sort of know each other at that point. We was, yeah. but we just started to do uh, a course, like a music course, uh, okay. Redbridge. And like pretty much straight after that gig, we got into the course and me and Luke got on immediately. Um, but I went to the college to learn sound engineering. I didn't go right. to be in a band. Uh, I could play the guitar already. So, um, it, uh, so I've done little bits of songwriting um, prior to that, just messing about in my bedroom, really. Um, but never had no sort of, you know, desire to be in a band or anything. It's just Perfect. that part of the criteria to be at the college was to play an instrument. So I, um, I actually, I got in just because of that. But I went to do sound engineering, um, and when you're there as part of the course and that they put you in bands and things like that and then me and luke and another luke from the from the band um uh, from the college rather we started our own little band up from that um yeah. and, and singing wise i think we'd had a couple of beers over the pub and went back and we was just playing and i started singing some bob marley song or something and luke's like you gotta sing so that was the first time i sort of found out I was sort of going to be in a band, really. Wow, okay. So sort of thrown together thing then, rather than a sort of grand plan, it was a kind of consequence of sort of going into education and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. If I'd have not, if I'd have not gone to that college, I mean, we we, did, we ended up only lasting a year there, me and Luke, but yeah. from that, in a band by then, so we kind of, we went off and done that. But um, had I not been at that college, I would have not, I wouldn't have met Luke, probably yeah, who knows? I, was, I mean, like I said, I was into music. I wanted to do sound engineering, so I would have done something in that capacity. But, um, yeah, the uh, I would I would say that college definitely put put me into like being in a band. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How life circumstances kind of end up sort of being such a major impact on what you go on to become that you don't realize at the time. But well, the funny it... thing is, I was I was talking to I was talking to the other day about it, but. Um, I was at a pretty deep, like a, a nice school um, after about the second year. And like, basically when we split from junior school, we, all, we had two sets of friends that went to two different schools and their school sounded, the other one was really, um, 
you know, uh, you could pretty much get away with murder there and they're telling me all these stories. And I kind of drove my mum and dad mad saying, I want to leave and I want to go to this school. Yeah. Because it sounds like an easy ride. It's <laughs> like really bad decision looking back. But in going to that school, I bumped into, this is a pretty cool story, I think, but I bumped, uh, the, there was a kid below me. Yeah. When the music room and he was playing the guitar and I thought, he's unbelievable. I didn't play the guitar at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just sort of like fascinated by him. And then it was a, my birthday a few months later. So I said, I want a guitar. And so I started learning the guitar. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so me and him started writing songs uh, just at home, just messing about. I mean, and, but I still say to this day, he's one of like the best guitarists that I've ever seen. But sure. obviously at the time, I didn't realize what a good guitarist was and someone who could play three chords, really. You know, anyone could string a tune together was a good guitarist. But he, he had something. And anyway, it turns out that he's now Judas Priest's guitarist. Wow, okay. <laughs> cool. That's cool. Yeah. So Yeah, that's funny. That's I was right. I was right in my first instinct that he uh, he was a very good guitarist. I think he demo he auditioned for Guns and Roses when Slash left. So like, I'm Richie Faulkner, his name is. Blimey. But yeah, had I not gone and done that bad decision of moving schools, I probably wouldn't have learned the guitar. So it, like you said before, it you don't know where it's going to take you, dear. That's very true. So being in a band, I mean, you've been in, so you say, since 2006, and you guys have had like an amazing ride and career and stuff. So when it comes down to kind of, you said earlier, when you when you write for a band, you're the main songwriter, aren't you, in the Rifles? Yeah, predominantly, yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those things where like I, I have that role in in my band as well. So there's and as you said earlier, there's as a songwriter, main songwriter, you can write songs which are ready for the band because it's just a band song, and then it's something something else which is maybe not for the band or a deeper thing. But when you were writing with the band in mind, do do you have heard other people talk about this where they feel like a kind of because they've got an audience and a fan base and a kind of sound and a kind of uh, reputation they feel like they kind of can write stuff which is definitely for the band. Is that ever like a pressure on you as a writer to kind of write in a certain way for the band or is it, is it much more freer than that? It's not really. I mean, I've always kind of just try and write in the same sort of style anyway. So I'll get some chords together. I'll, I'll you know, mess about of a melody and get lyrics over it. And then a lot of the time it'll get a bit of a kick up the arse when we get in the practice room together. Yeah like and then it's sort of and what I always sort of tend to do was never try that any lead guitar or anything like that even though I enjoy playing like guitar like I just used to stick to rhythm leave all them parts bare because yeah. then yeah. we got from Luke would get his bits down you know what I mean yeah um that's one way or another way we'd go into a, just a practice room and jam yeah and then I'd take that home and write words to that do you know what I mean so uh yeah. that that kind of always had that rifle sound um but I always try and maintain that if you you you've got to be able to strip it back to an acoustic guitar and it sounds like a good song. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think that that needs to be the case. Um, so, with regards to going like off on a on a mad one, I never really do because they're always I've always got that bass, you know, where where it's 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 called it's called bass and a melody over the top. So, I think you're um, right about that. I mean, a good song has got to stand in. A room for like you playing it on your own isn't it it's got to like i think really i mean you get like songs which are different for you know jammed up or like dance music hits which are different but like a good a good traditional song has got to stand as one man and an instrument hasn't it and, and i deliver. think so I'm, 
big Bob Dylan fan and, you know, all them sort of singer-songwriters. So I kind of, in my head, it always has to be that way. And then you can evolve it from that, really. Yeah, brilliant. So who, who, who like... Who were your early influences then? Who were the influences that sort of got you when you decided to find yourself in a band? Like, what kind of songwriters were you? Uh, at, what songwriters inspired you and influenced you to kind of uh, to write? I mean, obviously, the bands that were about at the time when we first got, well, you know, like when we first went to college and that, like I said, we went Nebworth. So you got Oasis, The Verve, bands like that. They were sort of everyone's go to, really, it seemed yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so no doubt they was they was they would have been an influence. Um, but I've always sort of I really like Bob Marley. I really like Bob Dylan. I like sort of um, I don't know. It's always just melody. I love Motown. So yeah. my mum's got all like the Motown records, and I used to sit there with like a Temptations tape on my little Walkman and that when I was young. Like and the Beach Boys. I'm just like um, it's like melody, really. It's yeah. sort of that's that is an influence melody and and some some lyrics you know great lyrics uh so on this new record then the solo record in terms of songwriting influences because obviously you're, you're an older man now and those early influences will still be doing what they do in your subconscious but was there any kind of like new songwriters or, or influences that affected this album or was it just the same continuation do you think uh, yeah, I think it was. I mean, it, I could sort of pinpoint certain songs, you know, with, with, which that song had an influence. Um, there was like, um, there's a Michael Kiwanuka song that was on, yeah. it was a uh, the TV show, Big Little Lies. Did you watch that? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. So I'd, I mean, I'd heard of Michael Kiwanuka. I didn't, well, like, you know, over familiar with his stuff and I didn't know it was him, but I was just like, I was sitting there with my wife, I was like, this is a great song, this is. I've got to check this out. And I'm sure a million, 10 million other people went, this is a great song, who's his list? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, Shazam. Yeah. Um, so that uh, Cold Little Heart, you know the song. Um, yeah. That was an influence on definitely on one of the songs. I like that haunting, like the the sort of humming or the, the string line or whatever it is on the uh, on the beginning of his song. So, yeah. so the song called um, Like I Love You on my album and I was definitely influenced by that song when I went in the, into like the shed at the end of my garden to uh, to write that. Um, I've been listening to sort of a lot of you know Fleetwood Mac, Rumours, that sort of era. Um, whilst writing, that I really like the sort of really flat drum sound. I like the uh, the really flat guitar sounds. Um, I didn't want it to be overproduced, so definitely in a, from a sound perspective. That yeah. was a big influence. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I can really hear that. It's a lot of the space in it, isn't it, for the melody to like just shine through? Yeah, I just, I just, I just enjoyed sort of keeping everything pretty simple and then just layering it with, you know, um, harmony and harmonies and things like that. I just think, I think harmonies are such a great way to colour a song yeah. as opposed to throwing loads of melody at it. Just if you're harmonising with the the thing that's already there, it all automatically sounds like. Um, like a deeper sound, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely, definitely. So in terms of like lyrical themes then, in terms of like stuff that you were kind of going through or looking at on this solo record, I read an interview um, on a blog this morning and it, you sort of mentioned that some of the themes that had come up seemed to be sort of referencing or talking about a bit of anxiety and depression and things like that. So I'm just wondering like where you're at when you're writing this. You mentioned you in lockdown, which is obviously kind of a 
big time for everybody to stop and reflect. So tell me about the kind of lyrical themes and what's going on in your mind as you're writing these songs. Well, it's all, I've always like, sort of struggled a bit with anxiety. Um, well, a lot, actually, um, just yeah. in spells and things from, from literally from school to that time. Um, just things like being, having to sit in the assembly, it used to like be harrowing, you know what I mean, for me. I yeah. used, to, used to dread it. On a Sunday, we had an assembly on a Monday, and on a Sunday, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't think, I, you know, I was worried about having just to sit there in silence. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, it's not, it's not, man. It's like, I mean, I've got, I, I, I have that going on in different ways, but it's, it's kind of, it, it is what it is, isn't it? It's part of your makeup as a writer and as a human. So it's sort of, you know, so what sounds crazy to someone else is just like, is actually b- bloody real for someone who's going through that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's sort of, the more you talk about it to people, the more you realise everyone's a bit crazy or yeah. everyone's, you know, has, you know, these things that they deal with. Um, but you kind of, you have to just get on with everything. Do you know what I mean? And um, so the more you talk about it, the more you realise it's actually not that, not that weird. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then I, t- I told my, because um, I used to scratch my hands, I'd take my mind off it when I was in there, when I was in the assembly. Right. And I come out once and my, my hand was bleeding and my teacher's like, what we done there? So I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll explain it to him. Um, that okay. I get really nervous when I'm in here. And he just went, well, don't go to assembly then. <laughs> and that was it. But <laughs> after that, I never went, I went and sat around the pond uh, every Monday morning on assembly instead of going to assembly. And then that was that worry over. I'm sure That's I found enough something else to worry about after that. But that one was yeah, solved yeah. quite that's a good teacher there. He's, uh, he's yeah, sort of, he was old. Yeah. yeah. So that was immediately. So that was some of the themes then going on. So like, yeah, I'm just really interested to so you, you know where where you sort of the stories behind these songs and where you where your heads at really with, with the solo record. The whole the whole the whole album is is that the whole right. album is right. purely based on that. Um, so what I tried to do, just really in the order of the songs, is towards the end just lift a little bit of light onto it put a little yeah. bit of light to it and just you know like what we was just saying everyone has it you you've got to you've got to just deal with it um you've got to deal with it and and it's never as bad as it seems do you know what i mean and i'll try to get it get that point across by the end of the album really yeah, yeah. you have to kind of laugh at it because you know if you don't laugh, it, it it will sort of, you know, the undertow is something that, I mean, that pulls you under. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of why the album's called the undertow. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not kind of, that is why the album's called the undertow. Something that you, you're trying to get on and you keep getting pulled down and, um, but you have to keep, uh, keep positive really. I think it's a really important thing. I mean, obviously these days we hear about, men's mental health a lot and yeah, this um, is my worry this is my worry because it's like oh fuck, you know another person who do you know what i mean it's like jumping on a bandwagon it's not that at all like I, i'm just sort of uh well you're just I'm, talking about your life man like any oh, other for me thing at all it's just and if anything it's sort of like saying don't worry about it just don't yeah. worry about it. you it's fine you just gotta you'll you'll get on do you know what i mean well, I think I think exactly not to make too big a deal out of it. I think also it's a songwriter singing about his head and his life, and that's the same as Bob Dylan in the '60s or whoever, isn't it? It's just like this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm going through. I'm going to sing about it, and the next album might be something else. But I think it's very important to be honest as you can be, 
and yeah. kind of get the stuff in your head out, you know, because it, like I said last night, for whatever reason, whatever space I'm in, those songs, I mean, first of all, musically, melodically, I was like, I'm bang into this. And then as the sort of uh, song unveiled itself and the themes and lyrics and you get a deeper listen, I'm like, yep, this is what I'm going through right now. And it's like, make it, and instead of making, it's making me feel good, right? It's making me feel connected to another human. It's making me feel someone else knows what I'm going through. And that's yeah, the point of the song. I really hope that's that's the case. Do you know what I mean? People that have experienced that sort of, you know, fear or feelings or whatever, they should instantly get on the words, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So when, not, when, not cryptic at all. <laughs> no. Well, it's no, it's not. But it's like what I like about you as a writer is it's not, it's not cryptic, but like you kind of, you leave enough space for the listener to find their own world. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. a subtle thing. You I, know? I understand what you're saying. Like, it's not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, it's not, Totally paint by numbers, you know what I mean? But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when a song turns up for you, then this is something I ask all the songwriters that I talk to because everyone has a slightly different way of writing a song and you've kind of gone into it a little bit already. But the, I believe there's a kind of like, I mean, inspiration or the muse or whatever has, has come into this as well. So I'm interested to know when you sit down with the guitar, do you, do you sit down and make yourself write a song? Do you wait for a feeling? How does a song arrive for you? What's the sort of internal process of that? I just try, I just, what I try is just to, to, just to write, just even if you're not in the mood, just go in there, spend a bit of time. Um, yeah. I mean, now, because I, I I basically recorded the whole album. Um, I just bought some drum mics. Yeah. So I, I wrote, I kind of demoed the songs at home with, uh, you know, computer drums. Um, I bought some drum mics and... Uh, just went and recorded all the drums. Uh, like Brendan O'Neill was like one of my best friends' dads, who's an unbelievable drummer. Drum for like Rory Gallagher and Humble yeah. uh, on it. Recorded all the drums, and then basically everything else was just done at the end of my garden, right? Uh, which is it was just in my sort of cabin shed thing. Um, so what basically what I'm getting at is I used to try and get up there. Just every day, do you know what I mean? If I wasn't doing other work, which I, I have to do, do you know what I mean, sometimes, um, I would just try and get up there because it's so easy to sit about. And it, it, I find it harder indoors to to uh, to get up there. So now, since since recording the album, I've basically uh, got a little studio in Walthamstow. Yeah. Which makes life so much easier because you're kind of going to work. And yes. I feel like I need to... It's just hard to go. Oh, I'm going to spend an hour up there. That's not enough time. Do you know what I mean to get yeah. into it? And yeah. if there's no distractions in a studio, so I just try and get. I drop the children to school, um, drive there. If I've not got someone in or recording or whatever, I'll just write. And yeah. you know, you might think there's nothing happened today, and then you listen to it another day, and then you hear it with fresh ears. And I just think the more sort of input or the more sort of stuff you've got to hear back. At some point, something will uh, will grab you. I'm a big believer in that. This the, the discipline of just chipping away. So easy not to do it. It's so easy not to do it. Yeah, and like you said, you find yourself like two months down the line, you've done more than you think you have because you've got a commitment to just chipping away at the thing you love doing. Right? It's really important. It's like big ideas and inspiration can come in a moment, but when you're working towards an album, particularly, you just have to chip away at it because, like you said, you can procrastinate. Or it can all become a bit overwhelming, but that regularity and just go, I'm turning up and what happens happens, but I'm turning up. That's a good piece of advice. Yeah, turn up. 
always turn up always turn up so you've played some um gigs and support you're supporting liam is that right on this on on on, on this solo album i've done it I've, I've um i've done it uh when was it i should know this because i had to change my holiday plans for it um on the ninth great uh, how was that unbelievable it was just that completely out of the blue i think he heard i don't know if he heard the album or he heard you know the songs that uh, i've released and basically just heard it and asked if i would like to support him Fantastic. So it was completely out of the blue and a, and a you know total honor because you know that was our first that was our band you know that's brilliant. Um, I mean, is is I'm I'm absolutely loving his new his solo work. I'm really sort of uh, totally into it. I think he's found a new kind of uh, just nice to hear him write. You know, I particularly like his so, songs he writes himself. Actually, There's some some absolute winners on his new stuff. Yeah, but I mean to be fair. He played a lot of Oasis stuff. And it was like, no one was complaining. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it in, teleported back to, you know, back to a long time ago. And, and the nice thing was me and my friend Connor, who I was saying, his dad, Brendan, done the drums. Me and him went to Nebworth, just me and him on our own. Um, obviously, I got him in because he's, well, because he wanted to get in and his dad was playing. And so it was just a nice, really nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was a proper full circle moment. Do you know what I mean? We start, yeah. sort of started that music sort of journey there in Nebworth, if you like. And then X amount of years later, we're both watching him after just supporting him. It was pretty cool. I love it. It's a bit of sort of universe magic, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was awesome, actually. So if you, here's a question. If you, uh, if you, if, you know, if this podcast goes out to like someone who's not come across the rifles or your work before, if you could pick three songs from your career as a songwriter to sort of represent yourself as a songwriter, what three songs would you put forward to someone who's never heard you before? Um, it'd have to, um, if it was rifles, it would have to be, um, it's a hard one because obviously you've got ones that everyone seems to like, but I've played them a million times. But I mean, The Great Escape is a big one for me. Uh, it was a moment where I could, the first time I threw a lot of lyrics in and kind of a little bit more sort of, not sort of storytelling, but um, I don't know. I hit something there, I felt. Um, yeah. The Great Escape in, 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 in how, you know, I was writing the lyrics. And then you win some, which is another song that I'm really sort of happy with. And I don't know really. There's you know, there's lot there's lots of we've done lots of songs now. Um, you win some great escape. And All right, what song are you particularly proud of for the solo record? Then, if you're going to choose one from the solo record to join those rifle songs, what song? would you like pick as sort of being a big one for you from the new record? I think one that sort of really, you know, summarises that whole feeling of what we were talking about, anxiety and, and getting through it and all that, um, is The Valley. It's called The Valley. Great. Fantastic, man. Look forward to it. So when's the album coming out? Friday. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, and it, so basically the first, I've got my first gig which was supposed to be the first gig because obviously when I got asked by Liam to do that, that thing, I wasn't planning on playing anything till the album was out. Sure. So that was quite a tough, it wasn't a, 
it was a tough gig in the sense that I had to stand there for 45 minutes and play to people who've never heard any of it, probably. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday just because people have actually had a chance, only if only for a day, to yeah. uh, get their and the songs. Um, is, that, is that a new feeling for you? Like, obviously, being backed yeah. up by the band is a very different thing. I know you've played... Yeah, so totally. It was the first time I've been nervous in a long time. <laughs> Just, I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, to be fair, like I said, I was playing in front of a a very Liam Heavy, naturally, um, audience. Yeah. It was in there, and they've never heard any of these songs, and I'm doing it as a solo thing, it was pretty daunting. And it's yeah. the first time really I thought, you know, you them butterflies you got when you used to play your first couple of gigs. Yeah. Sort of. I got that. So I got a little bit of that for Saturday, but I'm kind of a little bit more confident now. And what I've done is I brought um, Dean, who's playing the piano in and Brendan. So it's like a stripped down thing, but I've got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of support there on stage with me. So it's I would find awesome. that when, as if you've got like new new material, like you kind of, you can do it yourself and you can love it, play it to your mates, play it to people you work with. But when you're in front of a crowd who've not heard those songs, it's like, that's the moment, isn't it? Where you, it's like, you understand them in a different way and they can surprise you the way they go down. So how did it all go down? Did, how did the new songs land with people? Is it a good, good vibe? What, at the gig or just in general to people? At, I've yeah, at the gig, at the gig. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I could, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, right. obviously, they're not going to sing along because they've never heard them. But it, it seemed like they were listening, do you know what I mean? It, it definitely felt like everyone was sort of listening and uh, the feedback I got was really good. So it, it definitely couldn't have gone any better for me. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Well done, dude. So, so you know, you've been a songwriter for a long time, so I'd like to ask you what kind of, for the kids starting out, who's just bought a guitar like you did back in the day mm -hmm. or for, for someone who's just, you know, a songwriter and they're just doing their own thing in the bedroom. What, what advice could you give a songwriter from where you're at today? What would you say to them? What do they need to work on or think about? Uh, just like what we was talking about a minute ago, always turn up. Yeah. Yeah. Just always turn up. You're only going to get better. I think yeah. you're only, or you're only going to, you're going to find something anyway, at least if, uh, how many people have like started to learn the guitar and it just sits there in the corner of the room for a couple of years and they stick it on eBay? I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm just as bad for it on the piano because I want to teach myself the piano. Yeah. I can play like your chords. I can just, I can get around like that. And I quite like writing in that way because I'm not that prolific on a, on a piano. So I find it quite nice, a nice way to write. Um, but I've, I've always say just spend half hour just learning the piano every morning or what if you whenever you can find the time and like before too long you're gonna be really good on it. Do you know what I mean? So I just think it is just persistence, especially early early days in the um, if you're just learning the guitar or you're learning to write and you know get get calls together. I've got no advice because you can't sort of affect how someone's sort of mind works, but. I definitely think that work ethic is is the most important thing. Definitely. I tell you what, something that changed because I used to, I had piano lessons as a kid and, um, you know, learned the very basics how to play a chord. But the thing that really changed my playing, which is like, if I think about it, it's such a simple piece of advice. But my manager at the time said, right, just invert your chords. So instead yep. of playing like you, you classic one, three, five, like you C, D and uh, E, 
just make the D the first uh, um, note you play and put the C at the end. So you just turn the chords around the other way and play them sort of slightly You're different. You're not really moving the hands too much, are you then? You're not going out all over the place, right? Exactly. And also it just gives a slightly different feel of the sound of the same C chord, but it sounds different. So you can go from C to the inversion. And that simple bit of advice is oh, just, what? you know, massive. My brother plays the piano and I was having this conversation about a year ago. He said, he said, just spend a couple of months and learn every inversion. That's yeah. what he said to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. I ain't done it yet. <laughs> well, I've, I've been busy in my defence. So. Yeah, no fair play to you, man. But it's it's one of those things where you go from being like a really basic player to suddenly going, Jesus, this actually sounds good, you know. And it's such a simple thing. Yeah, maybe hey, I might have an hour to kill. Get on it. So that's great advice for any songwriters out there. Just show up, turn up, dig away at it, keep going. And um, you know, Joel's obviously someone who's who's done that. So Joel, I'm gonna. Uh, Thank you for your time, mate. But I've got one question that I ask every single songwriter and uh, it will change from day to day. But if you could have written any song which isn't your own song, someone else's song, what song would you have loved to have had in your head and would you have loved to have written and why pick that song? Oh, I mean, that's that's endless, that that list, isn't it? Um, it is. But here today, what are you feeling? Here today... Um... Hmm... It's out of two. It's out of Go Your Own Way by um, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Or I just went, I'll go for a run every morning. Nice. And we was, I need to, where I'm playing, and obviously I haven't got as many songs as what I normally have in a rifles thing because I've only got my album to play. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a, few, do a few covers. Nice. And um, on my wife's side, they, they just like, the boss, like Bruce Springsteen, he's like, God, yeah, to them. I thought, I've, and there are a few of them are going, so I thought I might try and learn one of them. But so, like, I mean, I went to the top of the tree and thinking Born to Run. So, I mean, you'd be well, well happy if you wrote Born to Run, wouldn't you? That is one of the, it's massive, isn't it? That song, it's bloody massive. You see, I know it's an obvious one, but I just, I was running to it earlier and listening to it, and it's like just smiling as I was running, thinking, you know, man, this is great. It is great. That's a great, great, great couple of choices there. Massive songs. And uh, mate, good luck with the solo album. It's, um, you know, from what I've heard, it sounds mega. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hear the rest of it. So if it, people, where, where can I direct people to come and find your stuff? Say that again? Where can I direct the uh, fan base of this podcast to listen to your stuff? Is it your website? Yeah, just Joel Stoker, I think. Joel Stoker Official, I think, is the uh, the Thanks website. Mate, thank you so much for your time and your insights. And uh, as I said, oh, the record sounds great. Good and uh, good luck with it all, dude. Oh, cool. Well, hopefully we'll meet one day. Uh, that'll be great. <laughs>